Now we come to the time of God's Word. This is God's Word, the Holy Bible, part two. There may be 22 parts, we'll see, I'm not sure. But this is part two, and we're going to learn more about God's Word from the psalmist today. So if you have your Bibles, you can be turning to Psalm 119, 9 through 16, we're going to read today. And then we'll have a prayer, and then we'll dive into lessons we can learn from this section. And just to remind ourselves, remember this is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. Did anybody read it all this week? No? I didn't read it all, so I read parts of it, but... There's 176 verses. We may cover them all, we may not. But this is going to be the second section. Remember, it's the Hebrew alphabet. 22 letters. And the first one was Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. This one is Bet, the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're going to read it and learn from it today. So this is Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Are we ready to hear from God's Word today? because um, I am. Uh, I love God's Word. It's a beautiful book. I, I know we talked about it in Sunday school today. Is this a beautiful book? It is. So let's read from it this morning. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to, their, to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Pray with me this morning. God, we come with humble hearts. We come with ready hearts to hear what You have for us from Your Word. God, we met around the table of the Word, Jesus, to remember His sacrifice that He made on behalf of the whole world to die for the sins of us. I pray as we gather around the written Word, Your Holy Word, that we will be ready to listen. Ready to hear what You have for us. May Your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us along the way. May Your words be spoken today. I thank You for a church family that we can gather together to build each other up, to be encouraged by singing songs of praise, by meeting around the table, and by meeting around Your Word. I pray for those who can't be with us today. May You give them a special hand of healing, rest, comfort. Especially at this time, I pray for Betty Freed as she's broken both of her feet, but now she's in the recovery process. But I pray that you would be with her. Be with those who care for her. May you give them wisdom and 
May you just give her rest and strength and comfort. Thank you so much again for your word, how powerful and how active it is. We came in this place as we were, but help us to leave this place as you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So God's word. This is a song I came across in high school. I got into, you probably don't listen to it. I didn't play it because it might have shocked you. It's a Christian rap song. Um, Does anybody listen to Christian rap? Oh, a couple people. Yes. We got to get together. Who do you like? But this was what I found and heard in high school, and I came across it again. I wanted to read the words. And this is from Flame, and he wrote, that's not his real name, but he sang this part of his song called Sola Scriptura. Part of it. The Holy Scriptures is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule for the Christian. He goes on, because the Scriptures are the only example of God-breathed revelation and possession of the church. They form the only infallible rule of faith for and which we base the church. Later on, he sings this, people pick and choose what they will and won't use from the Holy Scriptures. But the Bible is not just a book that you can just look through and see what fits you. You have to use it all. You can't just pick and choose what's good on this day, what's good on this day, and say, oh, that doesn't fit me. I I don't want to learn that. I don't want to study that. I don't want to live by that. But flame reminds us that the whole Scripture that we have is infallible. It's good for us. It's useful. We can't just pick and choose. And this is the same with this psalmist. 176 verses. Can you imagine sitting down and writing that much and just reflecting on God's laws, decrees, precepts, what He taught? It would take a while. But this psalmist loved God's Word and God's laws and he wrote it down. He probably sang it and prayed it maybe every day. He probably taught, like I mentioned last week, one tradition says maybe King David taught his son Solomon using this psalm, the Hebrew alphabet, but also the Hebrew or the spiritual way of living. And the main question I asked last week with the youth up here was what do we do with this beautiful book? When we come to it, what do we do with it? Do we just put it on our shelf where it collects dust? Do we use it as a paperweight like some people do? Or do we actually take it, open it up, read it, treasure it, study it? What do we do with this beautiful book? Today we're going to look at the second section that Psalmist writes here. And we're going to see what other things we can take from God's Word and use it to help us live better. Now when I say better, I mean help us to live a godly, pure life in this crazy world. Is it a crazy world? I wake up every day and sometimes I'm just like, it's a crazy world out there. But we have a beautiful book that helps us to understand how we need to live, how we need to look at who God is and how we need to look at 
who each other is in our relationships and how we need to go out into the world and share this message that we have. So let's look at Psalm 119, 9 through 16. Now, the psalmist here in this section begins with a question and an answer. Okay, How can a young person stay on the path of purity? There's the question for us. And then he gives an answer right away. By living according to your word. Willem van Gemmeren in his commentary says, The young person may keep their way pure by the practice of godliness. I just spoke at a camp last week, activities camp, and we um, took a verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and one of the things we need to pursue is godliness. How do we live a godly life? How do we know how to live a godly life? Well, we have it right here. This beautiful book, God's Holy Word. And I want you to look at some other verses. Sorry I didn't put them on the screen this time. So if you go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. In James, um, in Sunday school we were reminded, who is James again? He's the half-brother of who? Jesus. And he writes a beautiful letter. Very practical. But James writes this in chapter 1, verse 27. He says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Keep yourself pure. Don't let the world contaminate you. That's part of what religion that God our Father accepts. Keep yourself pure. Do you ever hear something that the culture or the world is trying to get you to say, this is what you need to believe. This is what you need to accept. Do we hear things like that today? If you don't accept this, well, then you hate. Or you don't accept this and then you don't love the person. But culture, and I think for the rest of our time here on earth, is going to say things, you need to believe this. And if you're not believing this, well, you're not going to be very good in this world, this culture you live in. But what does God's Word say? James tells us, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world, the culture. What do we need to be influenced by? This beautiful book. God's Word that we have before us. And go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, maybe a few pages back. 1 Timothy chapter 4 will help us understand God's Word and living by it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 11. Or starting in verse 6 to 11. So Paul writes this to Timothy. And he says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, listen to this, 
Train yourself to be godly. So what is Paul instructing Timothy to do? Train yourself to be godly. And what does the word train mean? If you say you're going to train, what are you going to do? You're going to actually get up and do something, right? So we have to train ourselves to be godly. We have to do something to become godly. And look at verse 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Timothy is getting this letter from Paul, and it says, Train yourself to be godly, because godliness has value for all things in this life and what? The life to come. Some people don't want to believe in a life to come. But when we train ourselves to be godly, it has value for today and the future. Isn't that, that's cool to me because if I'm training myself today, it's going to help me then. There's value in it. So we have to train ourselves. That's what Paul tells Timothy. And go to the last one in the Old Testament, way back in Ezra. Do you know where Ezra is? Kids, do you know where Ezra is? What does it come after? Or before, maybe. Before or after? I know my kids memorize the books in order. I was just quizzing them from up here. It's before what? Nehemiah? After Chronicles. So Ezra, this is, this is cool to me too. He's a reader of the Scripture. He's kind of the expositor of the Scriptures. But look at chapter 7, verse 10. And he trained himself. If you listen to this, he was training himself to be godly, I think, I believe. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. So what did Ezra do before he even taught Israel? Or the Israelites? What did he do? He devoted himself to study and observance of the law of the Lord. Do you think he loved the law of the Lord? Do you think he cherished it, treasured it? I believe he did. If he didn't, what could not he have What could not have he done if he didn't do that? He couldn't teach anybody. He couldn't do it. But he observed the law of the Lord and he studied it with all that he had. He devoted himself to it. So we have to train ourselves to be godly. And that's what the psalmist here is saying in Psalm 119, the very start of this section. How can you keep your, how can you stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You got to live by it. And the rest of it, I believe, is the psalmist is saying, this is how I do it. This is how I did it. And I want to share it with you. Maybe to his son, which we remembered last week, one tradition said, maybe he taught his son how to do this. But this is him saying, this is how I live according to God's laws, God's decrees. So we're going to look at that.
It's kind of a personal testimony. Do you like to hear personal testimonies? I do. When I hear somebody's testimony about what they've been going on in their life and how God's teaching them, I listen and I'm like, man, that is encouraging. God is working in your life. It's good to hear stories. And this is a personal testimony, I believe, from the psalmist. Because if we just read it, 13 times he says, I, me, or my. He uses those pronouns. I, me, or my. 13 times. But he also uses you or your, speaking of the Lord, 13 times. So he has this, he's crying out these, how he's living according to the word of the Lord, but he's singing it and praying to God. He's saying, I do this because of your laws, your decrees. And he understands that. And we're just going to go through that and have some takeaways today that will help us. Thomas Hoyt Jr. wrote this about testimony. In testimony, people speak truthfully about what they have experienced and seen, offering it to the community for the edification of all. The word edify means this, to instruct or improve spiritually. It is also used in general context to refer to the act of instructing in a way that improves the mind or character overall. Do you think the psalmist was trying to teach somebody? He says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? This is what you need to do. Here's an encouragement, a personal testimony. This is what I do, and I want to share it with you. Do you ever share something with somebody in order to edify them? To improve their character or mind? Do you ever do that? Anybody? Do you do that? You want to improve somebody's mind or character, you're going to say something that's going to edify them, that's going to improve that. And this is what the psalmist does. So we're going to look at that today. This is a personal testimony from God, God's servant, and He's giving it to us today. And in Sunday school, if you were with us, we talked about this verse, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You can probably uh, quote it with me, those who are in Sunday school. For the word of the Lord is active and alive right it's sharper than any double or two-edged sword and what does it pierce our soul our our hearts the attitudes of our hearts even to the joints and marrow and i said in sunday school can you see our joints and marrow can you see our heart can you see our mind can you if you can see mine let me know we can't so it pierces all the way down to the inside And it's powerful. And this psalmist is going to give us some truths that will help us understand what this beautiful book is all about and how it encourages us and lifts us up. So let's run through this. And what do we do with this beautiful book? Well, the psalmist answers it for us. Live according to your word. And this is how he does it and how we can learn from him. And I'll say this, I wrote this sentence down for myself as I'm studying in the week. A couple sentences I wrote down that may help us as we dive into this. God's Word is the most influential and powerful book on the shelf. It should be the book we read the most in our lifetime. Don't just read it for enjoyment, rather read it to learn how to keep our way pure. What did I say earlier? Do we take it off the shelf 
and actually read it to understand it and to learn from it? Or do we just kind of read it and then put it back? Um, Sunday school, we had great conversation in Sunday school about God's Word and how we need to live by it and what verses help us to understand what God's Word is all about. That's what we need to be doing. We look at somebody and study together and say, hey, look at this passage, what it says about God's Word, and what do you think about it? Is it helping you live a better life? Let me hear from you a personal testimony. So that's why we study the book. Or that's why I study the book. I don't know about you. But I study to learn how to live and help other people and encourage other people. But let's look at this. Verse 10, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your command. So the first thing the psalmist does, living according to the, your word, what does he do? He seeks God with all of his heart, with his mind, with his will, with his soul. It's all on God. He seeks after God. Verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Do you ever hide something from people? And they have to go find it. Do you ever do that? Or you play hide and seek? You have to go find them because it's hidden. But the psalmist here is saying, I have hidden your word where? In my heart, my comprehending mind, my will, my attitude. All that, all into one. I've hidden it in my life. But what's the reason he does it? He doesn't just hide it in his heart just to hide it there. What does he do? He hides it there that I might not sin against you, which is God. Why do we hide this in our hearts, in our minds, in our will? So we might not sin against God. I'm, now, we're not sinless people, are we? We still sin, right? But we have a forgiving God that says, I love you, I'm still going to be with you, and I'm going to help you. And what also helps us? This beautiful book. If we hide it in our hearts, it will come out. Do you ever memorize something? I've memorized verses as a kid, and I start to say it out loud, and I'm like, where did that come from? Does that ever happen to you? Like you remember a verse that you haven't said in a while and you just quote it, maybe not word for word, but you have it down and it's like, where did I get that from? Well, I hid it in my heart. Now, most of the things I memorize is in the King James and I'm like, okay, I never speak like that, but I memorize the verses like that. The vows and these. But it comes up. If you've hidden it down in your heart, it will come out in the best of times. You ever go through a hard time and you're like, I know this is what it says in the Bible. And I don't have it with me, but you remember it because you've hidden it in your heart. And somebody has a problem and they come to you with a question and you're just like, oh, I know where that's found. And you don't even have your Bible with you and you just quote it out. And the person's like, okay, thank you for that word. I was at my desk and I... There's been a few people in my life that I've had relationships with and still have a relationship with that they're just like, they seem to be a walking Bible. They just like, their speaking is just, that's all they speak it seems like. Even if it's like, they don't say like John chapter 5 verse this. They're not saying that, but 
every time they speak, it's just like, I think that's biblical. Do you ever have people like that? I have a, a few people like that. I'm just like, your speech is, just, I don't say it to them, which I should, but your speech is just so scripturally based. Because maybe what did they do? They have hidden it in their heart. So it just flows out from their, from their mouth, their lips. Verse 12, what does it say? Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your decrees. I love that phrase because we need to have a teachable heart. We need to have a teachable heart to God. We have to allow God to teach us from His Word. If we don't, we're not going to change. We're not going to hide it in our hearts. We're not going to seek after God if we don't have a teachable spirit. And I brought one of my books on my shelf uh, Thursday morning, we went through this book, didn't we? Some of us did. Cheryl, J.D., and Vic and Luann, you, went, you were there for some of this, right? Okay, this is from one of our lessons that we did. First chapter was called Coachable in Attitude. And this is what, there's a quote and an author's note. So this is a quote from a, he was a former Green Bay Packer for 10 years, Ken Rutger. He said this, You can tell a lot about a player by how he interacts with the coach. A player who listens to the coach, tries to do what he's told, and keeps lines of communication open is a bonus for any team. A coachable spirit. Coachable attitude. And this is what the author says later on in the chapter. It is the Word of God in the Bible, along with the direction of the Holy Spirit, which serves as our foremost source of advice. God's purpose and direction for our life are revealed to us as we seek to grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. His direction is made clear through His Word and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. He also provides wise teachers to help us walk along that path. Do we have teachable, coachable attitudes, hearts? Or do we just say, I can learn it on my own. Don't teach me anything. But we need to have teachable spirits, teachable hearts. And that's what he says. The psalm is right in the middle. Teach me your decrees. Verse 13. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I think this goes along with verse 11. He's just recounting all these laws from his lips because they're hidden in his heart. He knows them. Okay, He recounts them. Verse 14, he says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I don't know about you, but I like to receive riches. I like to get gifts. I'm thankful for those gifts, but look at what the psalmist says. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. He's rejoicing because he is following God's law. He's saying it. He's singing to God. I am rejoicing because I know how to live because you're telling me how to live. Verse 15 says, I, will me- or, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Meditation on the Scriptures is one of the... It's, it takes time, doesn't it? Meditating on Scripture takes time. And sometimes I don't have the time to do it. 
I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. I got to meet with this person. I got to do this with my family, right? We have all these responsibilities, but it takes time to actually meditate on it. But you know what? If you take time to meditate on the scriptures and, and, and consider God's ways, just like the psalmist here, as those back to back, I think, go together, you're going to learn from it. You're going to be encouraged by it. But I will tell you, meditate, meditation on the scripture takes time. And if you're like me, I like to just, I like to be busy, okay? I like to do things. Sometimes I don't, but most of the time I want to do something. But meditation takes time. Considering God's ways, we need to be deliberate about that. Verse 16. I delight in your decrees. Again, he's rejoicing and now he's taking delight in God's decrees, in his laws. I will not neglect your word. What a powerful section that he's just... How, do you, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. And let me tell you, here's how I do it. Here's my personal testimony about how I do it. Maybe you can learn from it. And when you sing it out, you're going to learn from it. So I have a few takeaways. There's six of them. So that's not a few, but that's more than a few. Here's the takeaways for today. Number one, live according to God's word, the Holy Bible. Live according to it. Pick it up. Read it. Study it. Share it with others. Study together. Number two, memorize God's Word, the Holy Bible. Just like I said earlier, do you remember stuff you've memorized from a childhood or even yesterday you might have memorized something from the Bible and you just recall it? Not even saying, let's go to the Bible and I'll read it for you, but you actually quote it. Memorize it. I need to do better at that. Memorizing Scripture. Some of you do a really good job of it. And sometimes I'm jealous. Because you just are memorizing very good and I need to do more of that. Memorize God's Word. Number three, get taught by God's Word. The Holy Bible. Have a teachable spirit. Don't just go to it and read it and say, that wasn't for me. Go to it actually wanting to be taught by it. Okay. Number four, proclaim God's Word. The Holy Bible. I know this is probably going to be a reoccurring theme because last week a takeaway was proclaim the message, God's Word, and today you get one too. And you think it's important if it's repeated? And, and the psalmist is saying here, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. He's proclaiming it. Okay, Proclaim God's Word. Number five, think about God's Word, the Holy Bible. Actually, think about it. Meditate on it. If you sit down and actually think about some of these passages, oh, it is rich. They're deep stuff. Truths that we need to live by. We just went through Jonah, right? Four chapters in Jonah, but there was a lot in there, right? It's deep stuff. And number six, I'm turning around just to make sure because the screen is off, not working right now. So Psalm 19, or takeaway six, rejoice and delight in God's word the Holy Bible. If somebody asks you, do you read the Bible? How do you answer it? Like, are you joyful when you respond? Like, man, I read that and it is good. 
stuff. You need to read it too. Or do you say, yeah, I read it. I do. It's on my shelf. But actually, are we taking delight in this? Are we actually taking time and reading and saying, man, I rejoice when I read this. I delight in it. And, you know, I always stress Thursday mornings because I love it. We read it together. We discuss it together. And it's deep. It's rich. We rejoice and we're thankful for it, God's Word. Every time we meet in my office, it's good things. So I hope when you meet together with people studying God's Word, that you're not just going there like, ah, oh, it's another way to read the Bible, okay. But you're actually rejoicing and delighting in it. Because I like to. Now, what happens? What happens when you are practicing these takeaways from the psalmist? What happens when we are living by these? We will not neglect God's Word. What he says. The very end at this, of this section, I will not neglect your word. Let me tell you, if you're living by these, if we're living according to God's word, if we're memorizing it, if we're being taught by it, if we're proclaiming it to the world around us, we're thinking about it, we're rejoicing in it, we're not going to forget about it. Right? And the psalmist says, I will not for- neglect your word. Or forget your word. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to forget it. A song came to my mind. You might have heard it, probably. You've been in, if you've been in church like I have my whole life, you've heard it. It's a hymn, Take Time to Be Holy. Have you heard of that hymn before? The hymn writer, look what, two verses from that hymn. Look what the hymn writer writes. Take time to be holy, speak oft with thy Lord, abide in Him always, and feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing His blessing to seek. Did you catch it in the first? Feed on His Word. Verse 3 of the song. Take time to be holy, let Him be thy guide, and run not before Him, whatever betide. In joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in His Word. God's Word is powerful. It's active. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. What do we do with this beautiful book? God's Holy Word. Angus Buchan wrote this. The Bible is the most incredible book I have ever read in my life, and I agree with him. Jonathan Edwards said this, Be assiduous, diligent, or persistent in reading the Holy Scriptures. This is the fountain whence all knowledge and divinity must be derived. Therefore, let not this treasure lie by you neglected. Remember what I said earlier? Some people have it on their shelf, but they forget about it. They don't pick it up and read it. God's Word, the Holy Bible, helps us stay on the path of purity. Now listen to this. The Word, Jesus, became flesh, dwelt among us. He became obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. Jesus shed His blood for you and me and the entire world. 
The Apostle John wrote this, The blood of Jesus purifies us from all sin. Jesus saves His people from their sin. Do you agree with that? Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only way to the Father. And now listen to this. Don't neglect the word Jesus. Don't neglect the word Jesus today. Don't neglect Jesus. Repent of your sins. Believe that He is who He said He was. The Savior of the world. The Messiah, the Son of God. Be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I'll share it again. Don't neglect the word Jesus. He came to save the lost. Don't neglect Him today. If you are a baptized believer and you want to join Ferris, you can do that today. And there's always room for prayer. And I can't overemphasize that enough. Don't neglect the word Jesus. I don't want to neglect Jesus. I don't want to neglect this beautiful book. Because that's where we learn about Jesus and the message we're supposed to be proclaiming. So if you need to make any decision today, please do it today. It'll be the best decision of your life if you say, I need help, Jesus. You're the only person that can save me. So come as we sing our last song. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this beautiful psalm. Your word is beautiful. And the word Jesus came to save people from their sins. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank You for Your written Word, the Holy Scriptures. And we thank You for Your body, the body of Christ that encourages us. So thank You for this gathering today. Help us to learn from Your Word and to proclaim its message to the world around us and to live by it. Thank You for today. And help us not to neglect the Word Jesus And not to neglect your word, the Holy Scriptures. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.